Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and it's not often that we get to share time with a really close friend and someone who is also local. We have a lot of friends on this podcast, uh, but not people that live down the road, maybe not people that um, we know super well. And today's guest, we know quite well. She is a local citizen of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So she lived down the street in Southeast Iowa. And I would go as far as to say today's guest is one of the most influential women in our part of the state. She has a huge brand. She's helping people individually, organizationally. She's a writer, speaker, and emotional health rebel. She's an advocate for emotional wellness (laughs) and a truth-telling emotional coach who's helping people through unhealthy emotional behaviors. And uh, she is on a crazy train. She's worked with nonprofits, startups, uh, companies large and small. She's a mom, a wife, a community leader, and she is dynamic in every way. Uh, It is a great honor to share this conversation with somebody who I have learned so much from and just deeply respect in our good friend, Courtney Meisner. So Courtney, thank you for being with us. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for that uh, hype intro. Loved it. Yo. Well, you're like the queen of hype. You do hype so well. So <laughs> if you can't see Courtney, because um, maybe you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, she's like dancing already. She's got a <laughs> drum set next to her. And Indeed. it's probably a good segue into what makes Courtney, Courtney. So Courtney, here's what I know about you. And here's what I've learned about you over time. You are so completely yourself in everything that you do and in every way that you show up. And people are drawn to you because you have this, authentic and very vulnerable spirit. And to shine some light on that, your social media presence has like exploded Mm -hmm. over the last 12 to 24 months. And um, you're one of my favorite follows on social media and you do authenticity and vulnerability well. And I would say this, there's some people that don't do vulnerability well. And I don't mean like they're not willing to share it, but they do it and they either do it for the wrong reasons or they do it in the wrong way. Um, You do it in my opinion, in the right way, in a way that draws people in, in a way that makes people feel comfortable, in a way that leads people, that inspires people. And so there's so much that you do, and there's so much that we could talk about today, but I want to lean right into this topic of vulnerability. And I want to specifically start with your social media presence, because I have watched you explode. You have (laughs) tremendous influence. You have all these people that follow you. You'll post like the silliest thing, and all of a sudden there'll be like 200 comments, literally in a matter of minutes. So can we lean in uh, right, right into your journey as a person of impact and what that's been like for you over the last couple of years as you've grown your following and expanded your reach? Yes. Um, yeah, my social media account, it, we're specifically talking about Instagram, is just wild right now. And I think you said 12 to 24 months. And I can correct that timeline to show you how quickly it was. Um, we put up our first dancing video and I can tell a little bit about that story, but we put up our first video on Christmas Eve, Eve, December 23rd. Um, and I remember when we were leaving, we were going to Tennessee to see my family. And, um, at the time I posted a reel on Instagram of my son and I dancing and, um, I kind of left it. I didn't pay attention to it. And then I distinctly remember saying to my husband, the next time that I opened my phone, At the time, I think I had about 1,100, 1,200 followers, Jordan, but they were very uh, purpose followers. And what what I mean by that is that they were very engaged. They knew they had been coming to my page for a long time because I used to write about postpartum depression, surviving postpartum depression, emotional health. And um, 
And so I was kind of, you know, around that a thousand follower mark. And when I opened my phone, we had 5,000 followers. And I actually thought that there was a glitch. I, I remember, you know, just kind of trying to figure out where the follows come from. And to be honest, I couldn't, I also didn't know where the video went because reels are, you know, in their own separate part on, on the app. And so, and also was like, I can't, I can't even find the dance. I don't even know what's happening. And so, um, you know, as of this morning, we are inching closer to 50,000 followers and that has happened in, you know, seven, eight months. And so that explosion of growth, um, was exciting. I mean, sure. It was exciting. Uh, but it also left me, um, feeling very vulnerable for, for many reasons. And largely because I had lost control of the purpose of the content that I was, um, had thought that I had set that account up for. So, you know, when I set up Courtney Meisner on Instagram, it was to reach, um, the stay at home mom that felt worn, worn out. I mean, I was very, uh, strategic and very focused on who I was after. And with the onset of adding our reels and our TikToks and this huge influx of people coming to want to know more about my family, I suddenly remember feeling extremely exposed and not and, and pulling a little bit more inward because I was afraid of the critique of all of these strangers on my content. And that might feel familiar for um, anyone who shows up on social media. There's some level of vulnerability to show up on social media anyways, because you are allowing yourself to be the subject of public opinion. And that can be frightening. But this was coming at us at a much more elevated level. Um, I will say we started dancing, though, people all the time are like, it, it makes my closest friends laugh that we have had so much success because I didn't plan for it. And they're like, this is just classically you, Courtney. Like you just woke up one morning and downloaded TikTok. And then now you've got 50,000 followers. Like that doesn't happen to anyone but you, you know? And, um, but that really is the origin story, Jordan, is that during quarantine, I was bored. My children were maxed out on screen time and maxed out with being around each other. And so we downloaded this app. They talked me into it. I didn't even want to because I wasn't sure it was safe for their age. And uh, we downloaded this app and then I just started dancing with them out of sheer boredom. I can't even explain it out of sheer boredom. And then now the rest is history. And so that's kind of how that explosion happened. Um, but then when you were talking about uh, other levels of vulnerability, um, if I, I will just be open about what has happened. So as I would try to enter back in as Courtney Meisner, as I was, as I would hesitantly throw up a post about emotional health, you know, I would get some traction, but not anything near what my boys, you know, the numbers that my boys would, would produce, I guess, for lack of a better word, or, or the likes and the comments and the engagement that, that happened when the boys dance. And so it was okay, but then this trend started happening. You know, I would post about an issue that was really important to me, which is not off-brand for me and my stories. And then I would get a bunch of messages about um, how people were really sad. My page was turning political, how I was talking about emotional health from, from a place, not as a licensed therapist, you know, not as a, a psychologist, 
Um, I got pushback about, you know, less of you, more of the boys dancing. And I am, I consider myself a decently boundary person. I understand um, just from my own work that those comments uh, have less to do with me and more about the person commenting, right? But truly, I've, I mean, truly words matter. And so I started to see this pattern where I was showing up less on my page and just putting the boys out just to maintain momentum. And in that place, we had a problem because now our content was coming from a fear-based perspective because I was afraid of losing a bunch of strangers across the world. And um, instead of it being authentically Courtney, which was what um, I had set it up as before. And also it was uh, definitely, in my opinion, disrespecting my integrity because I was just, Mm. you know, doing what the masses wanted us to do. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. (laughs) So that's where we are today, Jordan, is that. um, So yeah, go ahead with that. There's some people like as they're maybe driving down the road or, you know, sitting in their office, they're like trying to find your Instagram profile right now as we're having this conversation. (laughs) So we we will link that in the show notes. But, um, but Courtney, you are C Meisner, right? At C Meisner. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So so go follow Courtney. Go ahead. (laughs) And the tagline says the one with the dancing kids. I mean, yeah, you'll, when you see it, you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> You're not just a great follow because of the, the dancing boys or um, even some of your wonderful posts about emotional health. I mean, you're, you know, you, you get you and you sense that right. When you visit your profile, you're like, Hey, I'm meeting the real person. And there's just some really silly, goofy, real stuff that you're putting out. And, it, and it's why, <laughs> the following has exploded. So as much as you want to attribute that to the boys, uh, the boys are a part of you and it's a part of your creative mm-hmm. spirit. And I'm going to go ahead and say, it's still Courtney. Like, I just want you to hear that and know that it's Courtney. And I'm going to receive that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And, and receive it and you should receive it. And, um, and I want to, I want to dovetail that to human connection because there's a couple groups of people listening. There's a group of people listening to like, Oh yeah. Okay. So I got to get with Courtney and maybe have some conversations with her about how to grow my social media account and like how vulnerability plays into engagement on social media. And we can talk about that, but I think the broader conversation and the more important conversation is how does vulnerability create human connection in relationship? Because to me, that's what makes you different and that's what makes you special. So what have you learned about how vulnerability has created human connection in your own journey? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I, I would start by saying I have, I have learned so much, but I have learned it by trial and error where I, um, if you spend some time on my page or, or jump back, I think Jordan and I even have had a conversation about this before in a live that in the early years of our marriage, I was really sick when I was having, um, we were in the child birthing years, me and the birthing, us having children. (laughs) And um, I I got really sick. I had severe postpartum depression. However, I come from a family of really strong women, educated women, uh, leadership or leaders, leadership driven women. And uh, so the understanding that I had about depression was that it was just feeling sorry for yourself or a lack of effort. Um, I did not have a healthy or clear picture on it being an actual mental illness. 
And so I did not take care of myself appropriately. Instead, I just um, ignored it all. I pretended like everything was on fire, was, <laughs> was fine when it was on fire. Let me just, I think I was going to say I pretended everything was on fire. I pretended everything was fine when it was on fire. And um, my husband, he was a pastor. So we just did a really good job with showing the world um, one version of ourselves on social media and at church on Sundays. And then the truth was, is that um, I was falling apart. I was slipping into alcoholism. Um, my husband was dealing with other addictive behaviors. Uh, we were so angry. Our marriage was a mess. And it all stemmed from this place of just not wanting to tell the truth about how bad I was hurting. For some reason, telling the truth about what was going on in our home felt shame-based. It felt mm. like... Um, that we were the only ones experiencing it, that other women could handle motherhood better, uh, that I just wasn't meeting all the expectations that I was putting on myself. And I just embodied that I was uh, bad at being a mom and just inherently not qualified to be Josh's wife. I mean, I just kind of started to walk that belief system out in very destructive behavior. And we, my husband, um, through a Hail Mary, for lack of a better word, and asked me to go to, to marriage therapy. And I, no kidding, Jordan, I remember when he asked me and I was like, yeah, because uh, you need to change. Because if you did A, B, and C, <laughs> then uh, I'd be fine, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like these yeah. kids are your kids too. You were there when, they, when that happened. You were in the room. So they're your kids too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when I, uh, when we went to therapy, it was the first time that I had heard our, our therapist said, like, Courtney, have you ever considered that this is not your fault? And that sentence, um, you know, I had been looking for all of the answers and these different behaviors that I was doing. Um, and I hadn't once considered that there was a possibility that my chemicals and hormones were just off and I needed a nap and I needed help and I needed medication. And so I started, I was actually admitted into a place called House of Hope that I ended up working for for five years. Um, I did an intensive weekend there and then I just started one-on-one uh, -on -one therapy. And what I found was, is that the more that I allowed myself to be open and vulnerable about those days, uh, number one, the more the story connected to other women who were living the exact same reality and I've heard it before that, you know, when you tell your story, you give someone else permission to tell theirs. And I, I do agree that, you know, it, it kind of opens up that it's okay for you to talk about this, but more deeply is that ability to look across and say, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not alone, but more importantly, I'm not crazy. I used to think I was crazy, Jordan. Yeah. And it's so wild when you you look internally and think that there is something like by design that is wrong with you. That's a really damning belief system to look in and to live in. And when I started to be vulnerable about those things, I mean, women were coming out of the woodwork, calling me, talking to me, messaging me just about how they had similar situations. And in that there was that human connection that truly started to heal some of the parts of me that were still pretty wounded. So that's why I think vulnerability is so important is because it is a bridge builder, but it is also being exposed. I mean, we talked about that and Brene, I know you follow Brene, but you know, her definition for vulnerability is 
uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And no one wants to do that. No one wants to do that. Because if I told the truth about our postpartum depression, I was risking the possibility of my husband who works for a faith-based community to, you know, have some kind of risk of his job, you know, or if I start talking about how I can't handle my children, well, I still belong in these circles of moms that seem to have it together. Now I'm risking love and belonging if I start telling the truth. And those things um, sometimes are what keep us quiet when the, in actuality, when you start telling the truth, you, you get deeper connection with people. So yeah, that's why I think vulnerability is so yeah. important. <laughs> well, I could listen to you for a long time. I've learned so much from you on this topic, both from the conversations that we've had, but also from just following you and knowing you and watching you in the community and watching you engage with other people. And it has been said that vulnerability begets vulnerability. And I think that's one of the beautiful parts about going through something difficult is you just learn that other people are also going through something difficult. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to go deeper here because, you know, sometimes with certain, um, types of people or groups of people, I feel like it's, it's okay, you know, like to be vulnerable or it's easier to be vulnerable. Um, as a, as a young man who works, uh, with a lot of other young men, I think young male culture specifically struggles, that group of people specifically struggles to be vulnerable. And, and you've really encouraged me, but also challenged me to be more vulnerable in my own journey. Mm -hmm. And I've appreciated that so much. Uh, but I want you to speak directly to, and you didn't know we were going to do this, but I'm kind of putting you on the spot. (laughs) I want you to speak directly to the the young man that's kind of walking around. Like I've got it all together and life is good and I'm tough and here's all my good stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of putting that out for you to see, but maybe that person's hurting inside or, or, or maybe there's a greater impact that they could have if they learned to be more open or vulnerable. Could, could you speak to that person who's listening? (laughs) For sure. And I mean, I think it's good to know. I mean, I'm raising three boys and I'm also married to, you know, a guy who thinks he's tough too. I mean, he is pretty tough, but, um, oh gosh, Jordan, I just had so many thoughts when you were talking about the, even the word tough, that there's just this, um, unspoken understanding that men are required just to, you know, be steel boxes that can hold it all in or be armored and not feel things, be steady, be consistent. And though those traits I I think are desirable, I mean, when things feel chaotic, the fact that my husband can be the level-headed voice in the room is definitely something that is value in our home, right? What happens though, in in just my experience with the boys in my house and then, being in different circles where men are having a hard time being vulnerable is that there's just not room for both. There, there is no duality to be um, both strong for lack of a better word or have it together and also be afraid. And I think you and I have talked about that before. And I think that that's just what is missing is that you can still be calm in a situation, level-headed in a situation and scared. I mean, those emotions can all be present. One doesn't negate the other. Um, but just allowing yourself to say, you know, I, I think even Jordan, some of your words I've heard before is that, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen here or I'm uncertain too, but, but I'm still here, you know, and those, those are the things that allow you to start, um, working in a habit of being more honest and being more vulnerable, 
what I know is true about human behavior is that it's habitual and it's a, and the majority of it is learned in childhood. And so if you didn't grow up with a male um, example of someone who is vulnerable, most people have never seen their father cry or show any kind of deep emotion. That's, that's more the majority than the minority. And so if you, if you grew up with that example, it makes sense as a child that you would model the behavior of the, the male father figure in your home, whether that be an uncle, father, brother, grandfather, where, whatever it was. And because the older generations um, were not as comfortable in feelings like sadness, grief, um, I'm, I'm just going to hold sadness and grief because the truth is, is that you, you feel it and they felt it, but it shows up in anger, right? Mm. Yeah. Or it shows up in anger. truly anger is the only emotion that men have appropriately been able to share. Like, it's just fine that you're angry. It's like you've only been allowed to be angry. But as soon as you're yes. sad, as soon as you're scared, as soon as you're experiencing deep grief, then it's like, whoa, OK, like I need you to get it together. And that's just not that's just so unfortunate for anyone who has experienced that. So my honestly, my answer is, is that you may be killing it in life. Actually, if you're listening to this and I hope, I hope you are killing it in life, but our behavior always tells a different story than what we're trying to tell other people. And so if you think you're killing it, but you are drinking every night, you're not killing it. You know, if you, and, and I'm not saying, look, look, I love a dark beer. Don't catch me at that man at Colonies, Jordan, because I'll, don't catch me there. I feel you. Yeah. But I mean, like if it has become the thing that you reach to in order to just to be able to function through your life, now we're not killing it. Now, now there's some emotions that are asking to be addressed and looked at, you know, Um, if you're exploding on people, especially your family or your coworkers, I mean, that's not about them. Now they may be the trigger. There's, there's no arguing that they are a trigger, but they are a trigger to something that you need to address and you're not killing it. And so those, those truly are some clues that you could say, okay, maybe there is something here, some emotion that I haven't processed. And I know I'm going to feel vulnerable, but that's okay. Because otherwise you're just going to keep in that repeated pattern that ends up being extremely dysfunctional and unhealthy. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. my answer. <laughs> yeah. So here, so I, you know, I think I've learned this from you. Um, you've, you've sort of taught me and helped me with the fact that, you know, courage isn't about putting the armor on. Courage is actually about taking the armor off, right? It's about being fully seen and it's about showing up, you know, as, as who you really are and not your social media profile, not the good stuff, but just saying, Hey, like, this is me. This is who I am. This is my story. And, um, you've been such a good advocate for so many people in that way. And I know that empathy plays a role in this and I experience you as a really empathetic person. So I also (laughs) want to go there and just have a conversation about empathy. Cause I also think this plays into your brand and, and, and so much of how you've impacted people is through the art of empathy. So could, could we talk about that? Yeah, we can. I will uh, just put a pin in showing up scene. I do think I can't tell you how important that is just for your own heart and the wellness of your own heart is, is what I call it. However, um, Jordan, there is some health to having an inner circle, you know, that gets to, gets to be fully invited in to know Jordan. So for example, Ashley or any close friends, um, brothers, 
but not everyone has to get all of Jordan, right? Because we see some of that too, where people just like throw it out and I yeah. know what they're doing. They're, when I see that happen, I mean, there is a psychological need that is trying to be met. I absolutely understand what's happening, but there is something to be said about having the inner circle um, and then each circle, you know, following, and you can allow people in as needed because again, back to that vulnerability piece, you're, you're going to expose yourself and not everyone is ready to hold that in a safe way. And if they mess it up, if they drop the ball, if they are critical with something, you know, that's going to make you want to pull, pull back in. You're not going to feel safe anymore. And so it's important that the inner circle is people that are ready and willing to, to know the true Jordan, if that makes sense. Yeah, I that's so learned, good. That's yeah. so good. Appreciate you sharing I, that. And it makes me think about the Brene yeah. Brown quote about like, you know, you're willing to share the story when it no longer affects your current identity. For you know, sure. So there, there is a right way, a wrong way. There's a right time and a wrong time. And there's a right group and a wrong group. And I appreciate you highlighting that. Yes, for sure. So empathy, when I said that, you know, I understand what's going on when I see people using social media to emotionally process. Um, I, I do lean in empathetically, not annoyed, because I do understand kind of uh, what is underneath that and what they're trying to accomplish. And so whenever I teach empathy, it, it truly is just the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. I know that seems like such an elementary definition, but that's what it is. It's being able to look across and say, oh my goodness, I, I totally understand why you're behaving this way. Um, and then there's three different types of empathy. I can just briefly go through. The first is cognitive empathy, and that's where you see the situation and you understand it, even if you don't feel it. Um, the example that I give often at the risk of people not liking me on the podcast anymore is that I'm not a huge dog person. I don't hate dogs, <laughs> but I'm just not like a huge dog person. And, um, but at house of hope, all of my coworkers were dog people and they like showed me pictures of their dogs all the time. And they talked about their dogs all the time. And at one, one point, uh, the dogs got sick, two different dogs. One of, one of the dogs passed away and my coworker was wrecked. And I remember thinking the, the cognitive empathy leans in and says, even though I, I'm not sad, I understand why you are. So even though I can't connect to that feeling of sadness, I completely validate that you are sad and that you need to take off work. And, you know, the opposite of that is just being a jerk and being like, you know, it's just a dog. You know, you don't need to be off work because that's not leading in with cognitive empathy. Right. Yeah. And so um, we can use that a lot right now, especially with differing opinions on political stuff. And when it comes to vaccinations and masks that we can look across and say, you know, even though I don't adopt that belief, even though I don't believe what you're saying, I understand given your life and what your belief system, why that opinion is yours. Right. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have to, you know, just get so irritated, which I have before, just by all these different opinions that people have when we lean in with empathy and understanding from where they're coming from. One huge thing that people confuse about empathy though, is that we have to agree. And that is just, that is just a myth. You don't have to agree at all, but you, you can seek to understand. And then emotional empathy is where you feel it. So if there's anyone listening um, who have um, dogs who they love and are parts of their family, you know, it, you would feel the sadness 
And then um, the next one is called compassionate empathy. And that's what moves people to action. You see compassionate empathy a lot around natural disasters. Um, Whenever there's a death, you see that communal grief, you see people move in. Um, It's because they are moved with compassion to help because they have felt it or they understand it. And then they're moved to compassion. And so empathy really, truly is such a strong connector um, in relationship because it, it truly allows you to see someone's point of view without being angry at them or dismissive and just understanding, though, that you don't have to adopt it. So it's just I think it's a superpower for human connection. It is a superpower. <laughs> and it's one of your superpowers, cognitive empathy, emotional empathy and compassionate empathy. I yes. think we could all use that. I need to be reminded of that in my own life. Um, we all do, right? Especially in today's world where things um, are at times so tense, right? And you have different They're views so and opinions. That are so and yeah, yeah. Listen, you said in marriage too, like there are things that my husband's interested in and I'm like, I can't even drum up an interest in this, but you're one to talk to me about it right now. So I need to. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I, I don't want to bl- like just go blank stare, but I'm feeling like I'm about to be unconscious. Yeah. So I need to like stay in this. (laughs) Well, Ashley Montgomery is a big fan of yours and um, she would agree that I need to to hear this conversation. um, So good in marriage and friendship and business. Um, You're just awesome, Cordy. We could have this conversation forever. Um, And I'm going to, I'm going to ask our listeners to follow you on your accounts. Uh, Again, we'll link all of your handles in the show notes. So you can learn more about empathy and vulnerability. And here's the cool part about that is I don't think you have to have a one-on-one conversation with Courtney to learn about empathy and vulnerability from Mm -hmm. Courtney. You're going to get it from the content that you see on Courtney's social media profile uh, uh, pages. So um, that's what I appreciate about you, Courtney, is we can learn so much from you. And I think great leaders do that, right? You you lead through your example. Um, Mm -hmm. You lead through what you say, but you also lead through what you do. And so I appreciate the way that you've been leading. And um, I want to do some quick hits before we let you go. Can we do that? We can. I I know you're going to, I'm like now, Jordan, I don't know if you're going to edit this, but I want to, I think it would be interesting to know when you felt the most vulnerable, just like a quick hit for you. Yeah. So first off, we we don't, we're not going to edit because we want this to be like, we want this to be real. Right. And then I'm like. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope if you're listening, you feel like you're just hanging out with me and Courtney. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I felt the most vulnerable, you know, probably a couple moments, uh, in my life, one was when I got let go from a job that I had, I was 27 years old and I was very much the guy or the person who acted like I had it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, my identity was completely and totally in my work and my achievement my bank account and my material possessions. And it's, it's hard even to admit that now, like it just sounds so ugly and wrong, but if I'm being transparent and honest, that's who I was at 27. Like I just really valued those things way more than I should have. And so when I got let go from my job, um, my identity was rocked and I felt, uh, very seen, very, very vulnerable. Like everybody knew it was very public um, all my friends knew, my family knew, all of my clients knew. Like it was really, really hard. Uh, but in that moment, I formed some of my best relationships because to your point earlier, I think for the first time, people were willing to be vulnerable with me. And they started opening up to me about their journey and their stuff and what they went through. And 
I just started to see this completely different side of people. And I grew in my empathy and in my understanding of heartache and heartbreak and what makes us human. And so that moment really changed my life. Um, the second moment was when I got married, because Ooh. I think when you uh, get married, you know Are everything. Exposed. Yeah, you're exposed. <laughs> yeah, like I was trying to find a way to say that. Like truly, you're just exposed, right? Like that person sees the good, the bad, the ugly, and for better or worse, it's like here I am. This is me. And yeah. so for me, that was four years ago, and I had a lot to learn because I married a woman who was already a mom. Ashley had two children, Audrey and Claire from a previous marriage. And so I stepped into their life as this young single bachelor who didn't know anything about parenting. It was very behind in many ways in terms of just life experience. And here I marry this woman who has way more life experience than I do, which made me feel even more vulnerable uh, because there was a certain parts of life that I didn't know about that she knew a lot about. So to answer your question, I would say those two moments in my journey. Um, but I'll ask you the same question. Is there, you know, you've shared a little bit already. Is there another <laughs> moment that you felt vulnerable in, in your journey? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't even know this may, I don't know if it's TMI, but it's the only one that's coming up. I think uh, labor is, is insanely vulnerable for a woman. You just get to a point where you um, are speaking about exposed, you know, and you have to, you have to allow your husband to see <laughs> just so many things. And so um, I would say whenever I think about, I mean, I've had three children and, and those moments in the delivery room with my husband definitely created some deep intimacy because he was allowed to, to truly see who I was when I was happy. And also when I was in extreme pain, I mean, come on, you know me, I cussed at the doctors. I mean, I was a wreck. So <laughs> So yeah, just off the top of my head, um, yeah. other than all of my postpartum stuff, I would say during labor and delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hey, you know what? And watching Ashley, can't can't relate, right? But watching Ashley go through that journey, I I get it. And um, you know, labor in, in general and, and bringing children into this world in so many yeah. ways, right? Parenting um, just does, does expose you. And you start to realize how... Um, how difficult you can be and how many uh, areas of your life really do need work. And yeah. I've learned how selfish I can be in my parenting journey. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing. I just, um, mm -hmm. I appreciate your vulnerable spirit and the way that you talk about difficult things so easily. I mean, it's part of your, it's part of your magic. It's part of what you bring to the world, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm dying to do these quick hits. We're going to turn you oh, loose. And um, yeah. one of my quick hits, I'm going to prep you for this is okay. social media because we have some people listening that want to know what to do or they're trying to figure out and navigate social media and you do it so well mm -hmm. um and selfishly i'm always learning from you in that way but my first question to you is um what is one thing i know a lot about courtney i don't know everything <laughs> um a lot of our listeners know you because we share a lot of mutual friends in common what is one thing that uh we might not know about courtney that yeah. is sort of interesting or, or maybe unusual. Right. Um, I would, I two, I have two thoughts. I get asked that I've been asked that before. The first one is, is that, um, I'm, I'm actually an introvert that, that throws people for a loop all the time because I show up very extroverted. I have high energy, but by definition, um, I don't get my energy fulfilled from being around people. It's the exact opposite. I actually feel completely drained after, being, you know, at events, 
And so, um, yeah, that's the first one is that I am just uh, more introverted than I am extroverted. However, I am a huge goofball. So that, that confuses people often. The other thing, Jordan, I cannot stand getting out of the car to get gas. Like it <laughs> sends me into rage so much that I will almost run out of gas. And my husband gets in my car all the time. And he's like, I cannot do this with you. I have, <laughs> I, there is no gas and there is never gas. And if I sent you a screenshot of our text messages, it's literally Courtney, you don't have any gas. I mean, it's like, that's all we talk about. <laughs> so I can't do it, Jordan. I can't stand it. it. It just seems like such an inconvenience to my life. And let me tell you, I'm from the South. Like, please, I don't get gas ever in the winter. Not ever <laughs> will you see me get out of the car in the winter. We'd have to be in an apocalypse situation where we are running for our life before I get out of the car in the winter to get gas. Hey, so God bless, <laughs> God bless, God bless Josh Meisner. And if you see your good friend Courtney driving around, help a sister out, get, get this woman some gas. Uh, that, is, that is hilarious. I too, uh, I too have that struggle. Um, my wife is one of those people that she will, like, if it gets below hundred miles to empty, she's like, we got to get gas. You don't got to get gas. You can take that baby down to like five miles to empty, right? Why we have a hundred miles, so, Ashley. Yeah, why, why are we being so proactive about this? We're trying to get somewhere. So, uh, oh man, I gotta, I'm going to share that with Ashley later today. Yeah. Um, okay. Second question. Um, okay. What is your, what is your favorite quote? And just so our listeners know, I didn't prepare you for this. I was putting you on the spot. What's your favorite quote? Oh gosh. Uh, actually, actually, this isn't going to be from anyone that, um, you know, is an author out of a book. I took a course called ultimate journey at a place called house of hope. Um, and I was really working through why motherhood was so difficult for me. And my facilitator said, Courtney, the reason why motherhood is so difficult for you is because motherhood is a marathon and you are a sprinter. And I think about that all the time, Jordan, that I am in this, this, um, this is not even a situation. I have these beautiful boys and it has been a marathon. It just has been this marathon to, to parent them and to know them. And I am a sprinter. I mean, I go from big idea to big idea and I, I need breaks. And, um, unfortunately, you know, one thing about motherhood is that it doesn't offer too many breaks. And so whenever I am feeling extremely overwhelmed, um, it's a good reminder for Courtney to pull back to some of the practices we've put in place for my wellness, because I know I'm in a marathon and um, this just isn't something that I can sprint through. So probably that quote. That is so good. You can go back and listen to the last minute of what you just shared, because that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, I yeah. needed to hear that today. Uh, what's your favorite book? Favorite book? Oh my goodness. Oh, I am such a, listen, this is going to be so cheesy. I am such a Harry Potter nerd. I'll <laughs> read them and reread them. And you know, my husband's been asked before, like at a marriage conference, what is Courtney's dream job? And he said a professor at Hogwarts. And I just looked at him and was like, I've never felt more loved. Like you totally get me. <laughs> but everyone in the room was like, what? <laughs> So, yeah, all, all of the Harry Potters. I mean, I read all of the leadership books, all, all of the familiar authors that you love too. But um, yeah, give me a, a cup of hot coffee and a blanket and a Harry Potter novel. I love it. Hey, that's a real answer. That was from the heart. That's a, that's a real answer. Yes. Okay, social media tips. So you've got this brand, you have this profile, you're super um, engaging. 
and I watch the way people engage with you on social media, I selfishly want to learn. I'm like, how does this happen? Like you just have this explosive growth. You post one thing and there's crazy amounts of likes and comments. Um, maybe I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. I we follow a lot of people who have a great following. You have like, you've had a, a quicker growth trajectory than anybody else I've ever followed or paid attention yeah. to. So um, it's insane. What, um, give us some tips on growing a social media brand. Okay. Well, as an emotional health teacher, my first tip has to be, um, do not set out to grow your, your accounts in order to satisfy some need of love and belonging, because it's just not going to satisfy. Um, so just out of the gate, I need to say that it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It's just, it's not the same as true human connection. And um, so I'll start there. How adding on, not even however, adding on, I do think that there is some um, value to understanding that what you are going to post will hopefully serve someone else. So when I sit down to say, okay, today we're going to put this up. I'm thinking, I am thinking with my audience in mind, you know, is this going to make them laugh? Is this going to encourage healthy dialogue? Is this for the mom that is feeling worn out today? Um, I had a speaking coach, her name's Jam Gamble, go check her out, Jam Gamble. And um, she, she talked to me about what, what is your motivation today? Are you going to encourage, educate or inspire? And so that is just kind of what I look at um, before I post something. Is this going to add value to someone's day or am I just posting it because I'm in a mood and I want to, you know, just put something up for a bunch of likes. So I would say as you are building your social media to really look at what is the motivation of your post um, and that way that will help your account continue to be a place that people want to go visit because um, they are being served well wherever they are in their life. And then the other big tip that I know is that you have to kind of um, narrow down to something. So mine's in emotional health and wellness. And then now we dance, you know? And so if you're looking to grow your account, you do have to, to kind of center in on a focus or a way that you're going to serve your community. Um, if you're not looking to grow your account, yeah, it can just be whatever you want it to be. It could be a picture of a pumpkin one day and um, you know, you and your family, the next, it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, but that... Strategic growth. You need to be strategic in what you're sharing. Yeah. 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 Come on. So good. Um, thank you for the tips and providing that value. You, you uh, continue to be one of my favorite follows and, and I want to make sure that people know where to follow you. So where Courtney can our audience find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, it's at C Meisner. So it's just first letter of my name, last name. And then um, on TikTok, it's called the Mize 5. That is M-I-Z-E 5. Um, and so that's where we are. On Facebook, it's Courtney Meisner too. But a lot of our content is on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. You are the best. This has been so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hang with you and Josh soon. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Anything else you want to say or share before we sign off? Oh, goodness. No, I hope you're having a good day. I mean, honestly, go forth and do good. Just, just be kind to people. Uh, be good to people. Uh, I mean that, yeah. And be good to yourself. So that was such a cheesy exit, but I do mean that. <laughs> it was real. It was real. Courtney Meisner, go check her out. Follow this amazing woman uh, who's a dear friend of ours. Court, thanks for spending time with us. Thanks for being on the Montgomery yeah. Compass podcast. We appreciate you uh, and who you are so much. So thanks for being you. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And we want to say a special thank you again 
to Courtney Meisner for donating some of her incredibly valuable time to our community. Uh, Courtney, we're so impressed with who you are and what you've accomplished, and we know your journey has just begun. Uh, special thanks also to James Roth and John Choate of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to produce and record these shows. We're glad that you're with us. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, thanks for spending whatever time you spent today listening to this conversation with Courtney. If you would like, subscribe, or share this episode, it would allow us to move our mission of impact forward, and we would truly appreciate it. I'm Jordan. You're you. Have a great day. Be well. Be awesome. We'll see you soon.